Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Down the blind. Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast Tuesday morning and we thought we would dive into the two sides that got eliminated this week. We've done this for every single team that has been eliminated over the last few weeks. We went into the bottom eight, we divided that into the bottom four of the bottom eight a few weeks ago and then we did the top uh, sorry, the top four of the bottom eight. And then we've gone team by team that has been eliminated. So we're going to do a quick season review of the Sydney Roosters and the Parramatta Eels. We're going to kick off with the Eels first. They finished with a record of 15 wins, nine losses. They finished in sixth place. Now, they look like a top four side just about all season until we got to the last few weeks where the wheels sort of fell off a little bit. And you know what? I'm not really going to hold it against the Eels because they had a really tough run. And all my listeners, you knew this was coming for the entire season. Uh, And you have a look at this run home. Now, they played the Canberra Raiders in round 19. They lost to them, a Canberra Raiders team that we thought was maybe about to turn the corner. Not really. Uh, They didn't really change anything after that. They then played the Chooks. They got hammered there, 28-0. They then played the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They got beat 40-12 in round 21. Then played the Manly Seagulls. Got dusted 56, uh, sorry, 50, yeah, 56 to 10 in round 22. Knocked over the Cowboys. Returned the week after, which probably was the win of their season, beating the Melbourne Storm 22-10 and then of course rested a heap of troops to get done and dusted by the Penrith Panthers. By that point they couldn't move anywhere on the ladder so a side that looked like they were destined to finish in the top four then had to come up against essentially a month of finals footy before finals footy started and lost a few places there but you've got to play these top teams at some point. Uh, I thought that all things considered they probably did better than what I anticipated they would during that time. Uh, obviously the games they did lose were you know pretty Pretty good losses, to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, lost to the Roosters, 28. Conceded 40 to the Bunnies, 56 to Manly. I didn't think they'd win any of these games, to be honest with you. So for them to get that win over the Melbourne Storm, that really shocked me. I think that's going to be the most important game of the season for the Melbourne Storm, though, realistically. But... 
Parramatta. They and I've been quite vocal this season, as you all know. I know all you Parramatta fans think that I hate you. I'm just calling it the way that I see it, and I think I've been pretty honest this week that I'm more excited about them now than I ever had been. But I anticipated them all season to finish fourth, fifth, or sixth, uh, potentially beat the bottom um, one of the bottom eight teams in week one, then get dusted week two by a more experienced side. And look, they put up a great fight. I thought they were sensational the other night. I've been very vocal about that. They lost eight six to the Penrith. Panthers. Granted, the Panthers, they looked exhausted. They looked gassed. I thought it was a game that we could see an upset in. A couple of decisions went against the Parramatta Eels, which was unlucky. Uh, But there was a couple of big plays that Penrith made that Parramatta, they probably should have executed a little bit better. They had their opportunities. They couldn't make it count, but... To me, this is the closest I've seen this Parramatta Eels team to looking like they can genuinely take that next step and actually dive into those last four teams in the competition. It's all good and well to be top four at the end of the season, uh, regular season, but then to take it to that top four level in finals, that's a different kettle of fish. This is the closest I've seen the Parramatta Eels look to that in quite some time. So definitely some good signs coming out of the Parramatta Eels. Look, for me, I had a look at their squad this year. Picking a best player, it's quite difficult to be honest with you. I think I Zaya Papali'i probably had to be my best. We'll talk about him a bit more in this segment, but I thought he was unreal this year. He really turned that forward pack around. Uh, Nathan Brown's another one that I thought was very, very impressive this year. I think that Brownie sets a really high standard for himself and he's very consistent week in, week out. And I think we forget just how crucial he is to this footy side. He, as I said the other week, he's one of those lock forwards that he's a bit of a hybrid of all the lock forwards. He's not the best at anything, but he's top three in just about every category that we idolize about these other lock forwards in the games, whether it's meters, offloads, his ball playing ability, his defense. There's a lot that goes into Brownie's game. So I'd have him right up there with him. The other guy who's sort of been the forgotten guy this season was Reid Martin. He was, without a doubt, their best player for the first half of the season. Probably would have played Origin if it wasn't for an injury. So Reid Marnie definitely deserves a shout there. When I'm talking about their most improved players, Isaiah Papali has to be number one. Reid Marnie would probably be number two. I thought he was a bit of a meat and potatoes hooker, but he was sensational this year, as I said. Candidate for their best player, so definitely one of their most improved guys. I wasn't sure if he'd be an 80-minute hooker this year, to be honest with you. And, geez, egg all over my face. He brained it, Reid Marnie. The other guy I want to touch on is Mitch Moses. I thought he had a great season. I know that you all want to see tries, tries, highlights. We're growing up in that era, unfortunately. But Mitch Moses, he wants to be the best seven he can be. He becomes a great seven by learning how to control the game. And that really is developing in Mitch Moses. I'm very, very excited about him moving forward. Cannot wait to watch him over the next few years. I think he turned 27 this year. So you're sort of heading now into those three or four years where you should see the peak of Mitch Moses as a halfback, which I'm very, very excited about. I thought his games in the in the finals this year were sensational. Uh, the try that he set up for Wonga Blake on the weekend, you might tell me it's a little bit lucky, but he had to kick his team out of trouble for the first 25 minutes. The first time he got an opportunity of some sort of an attacking kick, and you know what? It really wasn't an opportunity for an attacking kick. He turned it into one by going down the short side, forcing Dylan Edwards to slide across, and then putting in a monster kick back over his head. Wonga Blake scored off that. It was an unreal play. So uh, Mitch Moses, he definitely right up there as far as most improved goes. Guy to watch for me, it has to be Will Panasini. Uh, we spoke about him in the preseason. If you go back and watch those highlights of Joseph Sawali, we pointed it out in the preseason that 
Ali, he looks unreal in those Kings highlights. There's a guy next to him, Will Penasini, that is quite often putting him through these holes or throwing these passes or creating offloads. He's always been a star over there at Parramatta, and I, I thought he was going to be good. You, you all know I said to put him in, in your black book, but I think he's been better than what I anticipated, to be honest with you. The way that he handled Bradman best, and then the way that he handled that Parramatta Eels left edge, the other, uh, the Penrith Panthers left edge the other night, I thought it was very impressive. So Will Penasini, he is definitely the guy to watch at the Parramatta Eels over the next few years. I know he's copping a bit of shit, but Ray Stone, I also think he's a real quality player. I wouldn't have him as a starting hooker. I'd probably have him as a 13 moving forward. He's tough as nails. You can judge him on uh, his passing in the last 20 minutes of the biggest game of his career when he probably wasn't ready for it. you got to remember with Ray Stone as well, I mean, 80 minutes as a hooker when you're doing that much defensive work, you're going to be exhausted. He hasn't been playing reserve grade all season, remember, so he hasn't probably played. I'd love to know when was the last time Ray Stone played an 80 minutes of football, you know? It's just the reality of this competition and what's happening with COVID and whatnot. So I do feel sorry for Ray Stone, and I think people need to keep that in mind before they just drag his name through the mud on Twitter, calling him a reserve grade or a plumber, all this sort of short, sort of bullshit. Have some context in your opinions, please. Ray Stone has been great the last two weeks, made a heap of really good defensive efforts, 50-odd tackles. That's not easy to do in the sort of contest that he's playing in. In finals footy, it's faster than ever. Uh, I feel sorry for Ray Stone. I think he's a guy with a big future, though, so keep an eye on him. As far as guys under pressure next season, I think Dylan Brown's probably at the top of that list. A lot of people seem to be very over Dylan Brown. He's copping a lot of shit in the media and from fans as well. It's funny, if Dylan Brown was to come out next season and you know, have a few more stats or whatever. People have changed their opinions very quickly. Defensively, I love Dill Brown. He is a young guy. He's had a couple of injuries. I think Parramatta would be crazy to let him go. I see all these Eels fans on these forums saying that they don't want him. Gee whiz, you know, he's the same bloke he was a year ago when you thought he was the future of your club. The halves, young halves, they just go through waves like this. I think Dylan Brown, he will be the goods one day. And I think all these people that are bagging Dylan Brown right now because they're watching the stats, I think they're going to have egg all over their face over the next few years. He's going to be a premier halves uh, ball player in this competition for me. So keep an eye on Dill Brown over the next few years. But I think he will be under a little bit of pressure next year. I think he's a little bit unfair. Uh, but you probably do want to see a little bit more out of Dill Brown. It's all part of his development, though. The other guy is obviously going to be Brad Arthur. Um, he obviously got the full support of the board the other day, which is a huge red flag if you understand rugby league and you understand the history of rugby league and the history of boards giving their full support to coaches and then those coaches not being in the system within two years. So interesting times for Brad Arthur. Uh, I've been very vocal about that I think they probably need someone else to come in and take over. I think that what he did the other night and the way that he got Parramatta up was very, very impressive. As I've always said with Brad Arthur though, and I think people get a little bit emotional when it comes to this topic, if you're going to let Brad Arthur go, you have to bring someone in better than him. There's only a couple of guys that are better than him. Most of them are coaching this weekend. Most of them you won't be able to get your hands on. Uh, Hopefully Wayne Bennett is a guy they potentially can, but if he's going to leave the year after to go and join this new club, it's not the answer either. So really tough situation for Parramatta. I hope that they back Brad Arthur in, and I hope that he's able to achieve what he probably should with this squad that he's got. 
Okay, things that are exciting about Parramatta heading into season 2022, what their fans can be excited about. Will Penasini is the first thing that comes to mind. He's going to be unreal to watch. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind is obviously Clint Gutherson. I think he's been hampered by injury in the back end of this season. I think he will be well-rested coming into next year, and hopefully we can see him take his game to a new level like I believe Mitch Moses has done this year. I, I'm starting to think they're not far off, to be honest with you, but that next step they have to take is going to be really hard. What I spoke about all season about Parramatta. They're a winner short from really competing in this competition. Unfortunately, I think you did see it the other night. They hung in the contest. They did well. They were tough as nails, but they just couldn't find that guy to execute that last play. Yeah, I know there was a couple of officiating things that sort of went against them. I get that, but you've got to be able to overcome those things in finals footy. You've got to be able to take advantage of them. Parramatta had plenty of opportunities they weren't able to execute. They need to turn one of these guys into a real winner that's already in the squad. Uh, you get Reid Marnie back next year, a massive positive as well. He was the form hooker of the competition when he was playing. Getting him back will be massive. Means you can shift Ray Stone uh, into the back row. Obviously, a lot of people bagged Ray Stone for his passing and whatnot. The good thing about Reid Marnie is that I think he has one of, if not the best pass in the competition. It is proper crisp. Keep an eye on Reid Marnie next year and just, just watch his passing. If you are a dummy half, he is one guy that I would suggest you watch. It's sort of like a rugby union halfback. It just zings off his fingers. An unreal passer of the football. So yeah, plenty uh, plenty to be excited about for Parramatta Eels fans, in my opinion. Am I going to tip you to win a premiership next year? No, I'm not. But I still think that there is the possibility that they could. I think they're moving the needle in the right direction, which for the last few years, for me, the needle hasn't moved in any way, shape or form. The back end of this season, it does fill me with a bit of hope that the Eels could take uh, their their football to the next level, which halfway through the season, as you all know, I was far from convinced they'd be able to do. So exciting times for Parramatta. Uh, as I said during the week, they sh- all Parramatta fans should be very proud of the effort that their club put in the other night. Let's move to the Sydney Roosters. Speaking of fans that should be proud of what their team did this year, the Sydney Roosters, considering all the injuries, I'm not going to go through them because I don't need to. You guys already know them or we've spoken about it a heap. But to finish with a record of 16 wins and eight losses is incredible. When you when you think about the amount of guys they were missing and whatnot, it's a true credit to the coaching of Trent Robinson. And it's a credit to the coaching of Trent Robinson in the way that he spent the entire preseason planning how he was going to play, how they were going to approach this season based on the guys he had. Then all of a sudden they were gone. He had to change everything. He had to turn it all on its head instantly. He had to build around Lachlan Lamb, Hutcho and Sammy Walker. A combined, I would guess, about 30 first grade games, if that, probably less than 15 starting games realistically. He built this team around Sam Walker's ball playing and his natural instincts. He built it around Drew Hutchinson's left foot kicking game. He didn't put pressure on Sam Walker by making him kick heaps. And then he built it around James Tedesco, who really went to another level this year. I could argue that this was James Tedesco's best year, to be honest with you, and I don't think many people could push back on me. If you're going to look at highlights and stats, you'll tell me it was 2019 or whatever, but... Mate, what Teddy did this year was unbelievable. He put this team on his back and he just carried them. Now, Teddy is my best player. No doubts about that. He got the um, he got the Jack Gibson medal, I think it is, over at the Roosters for, I think, the fourth year in a row. So an incredible effort. I think he's only been there for four years. So to get it four years on the trot, pretty special effort when you consider the other guys that are in this team. The other guy I want to mention for their best player, Teddy takes it for me, but I'll tell you, a close second 
is Jared Rare Hargraves. He had a massive season for the Chooks this year. He was huge through the center third. Radley missed a heap of football. Takiaho was in and out, and when he was in, he was carrying an injury most of the time. I think Isaac Leou missed a bit of footy. Lindsay Collins went down. That was a massive, massive loss for them. And a heap of experienced guys they lost in your Boyd Corners, your Jake Friends, these sort of guys. And Rare Hargraves, you know, he probably would have thought at the start of this season, this will be the sort of year where take a bit of a backward step. I can let Lindsay Collins and Takiaho really step up during the regular season. I can keep myself a little bit fresh, put myself in cotton wool to some extent for finals football and then explode. And the season, it just went the complete opposite direction. And Rhea Hargraves, he had to get ready for war week in, week out. I thought he did a sensational job. He'd have to be right up there for me. Most improved player, you could pick so many guys in this Roosters team that have improved this year. I think you could pick James Tedesco and people probably he wouldn't push back on you. The stuff that he added to his games as far as a kicking game, passing game, jumping into first receiver was unreal. But for me, I've gone for Drew Hutchinson. He's a guy that when the Roosters signed him, I scratched my head and thought, why? Why are they putting this guy in their books? I, I get it. It's a depth signing. But even then, I sort of thought, I don't know about it. Hutcho is... The, the, the greatest credit to the coaching of Trent Robinson I think we've seen in a while, the way that this is a guy that was unwanted by the Dragons. He's been, you know, I remember when he was off contract, there weren't too many clubs interested in him. For him to do what he's done for the Roosters this year with minimal experience, minimal confidence as well when he came into this team, realistically, I think it's unreal. A left foot kicking game that has really, really stepped up this year and has been crucial uh, to the Roosters system. He's also a guy that was injured for a number of weeks. You remember Dylan Brown got some knees in to his back. He was in some trouble there. So to come back from that and just slip straight into this side and play a big role in a couple of big wins they had. There was one against the Dragons a couple of weeks ago where Hacho was just massive. Didn't always come up with the best play. Don't get me wrong. I know a lot of people bagged him during the season, but uh, including myself, to be honest with you, I wasn't convinced if Hacho should stay there. But Robbo, he got the very best out of him. He had, had a sensational season, Drew Hutchinson. He's one of those guys that I'm not even sure if we'll see much of him next year. If they have a good injury run, I don't know if Hacho plays that much footy. Probably during Origin and stuff, he might get get a gig. Uh, but that North Sydney Bears side, they are going to be very good next year with Hacho leading them around. Guy to watch for the Sydney Roosters. Obviously, you got Sammy Walker now. Had a massive season this year. I thought he was incredible. Uh, Second-year syndrome is always a worry for stars that enter first grade and dominate in their first season. But history sort of tells us that Sam Walker's probably going to be okay under Trent Robinson. Uh, guys that have come in and brained it in their first few seasons, you guys like Latrell, like Joey Manu, Victor Radley, these sort of guys are... Robbo's definitely taking care of them in the right way. He's, you know, and he's not afraid to drop these guys at random points, which I'm sure will happen to Sam Walker over the next 18 months. At some point, I'm expecting him to get sent back to reserve grade. I think he will handle it fine. He seems to have his head screwed on. So, Sam Walker, I think that next year is going to be massive for him because he's going to have to put a little bit of weight on, uh, which will help him a lot defensively. That'll help him heaps. Help him in attack too, because he's got a really good running game that you probably don't see enough of because he's so banged up. I think after having the first season too, it'll, it'll give him an understanding of what it's like to go through the whole 20-odd weeks. I think this year he came in at about round six, round seven. I wouldn't know off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, adding those six weeks or so he's going to have to do next year is going to be massive. Got to play some finals footy. Great experience. Um, also got to experience copping some negative stuff in the media too, which I think will be really good for Sam Walker. The reality is he's going to be the Roosters halfback for a long time. He has got 
he's got a bit of confidence to him. He backs his own decisions. He's he's a guy that, you know, he will r- run backwards and take the ball out. He'll do controversial things to make sure he locks up a win for his footy side. So he is going to cop shit. So it's probably for the best that he got to experience that a little bit this year. But the beauty about him is that next year, he's not the main guy. Luke Keery returns next year, which is going to be massive for Sam Walker. A lot of the time when you see these young halves come in and they brain it in their first season, all of a sudden, all the pressure, all the expectation is on them next year. I was talking to Finchie about this the other day, and I used Tim Smith as the example. Tim Smith came in in 05. That Parramatta Eels team was rolling. There wasn't as many expectations on them. Um, Tim Smith was just having fun, throwing pills from one sideline to the other. We came into the next season... Everyone had their right, had them right up there as premiership's favourites. Expectation hits, more eyes on Tim Smith because teams have done more tape on him. They know how to control him. They know how to minimise his impact in games, and he really suffered from it because he was the guy. He was the main guy that Parramatta needed to stand up if they were going to score points. Sammy Walker, he goes from being the main guy to taking a backward step to Luke Keary. This is Luke Keary's team, so massive for Sammy Walker in that regard. The other guy is Egan Butcher, and I've spoken about this guy a lot for the last two years. All my listeners, uh, if you've listened for the last 18 months, two years, you would have definitely known about Egan Butcher. I've been tipping him for a while. Really, really good impact this year. Dropped a couple of balls. I know a lot of you tell me that he's got the worst hands in the NRL. He doesn't. He will get it sorted. Uh, that's not the real Egan Butcher. So stay tuned for him. I think that he is going to be a superstar in our game. And I think the Sydney Roosters, he's going to be a forward that they're going to build around for the next decade. So keep an eye on Egan Butcher. Uh, I know people think he's got feet for hands, but he's going to prove you wrong. Just be patient on him. Guys under pressure next year. I guess Sam Walker, maybe you could tell me, but I I just don't think he will be within the Rooster system. He won't be reading the papers. He won't be, you know, buying into any of that sort of shit. Trent Robinson is very, very good at dealing with this sort of stuff. Uh, I'm not really sure who is under pressure there, to be honest with you. Uh, Connor Watson arrives there. He won't be under any pressure. I mean, this team, they overachieved this year. Um, I think there's going to be so much hope and excitement about this Roosters team that I really don't think anyone's going to be under that much pressure. They've won two comps in the last three or four years as well. So it's not like they're trying to end a drought or anything. They're in a really good spot, the Sydney Roosters. What's exciting about this side, uh, Connor Watson arriving is... That's got me having some serious movement. I cannot wait to see Watson arrive back at the... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Roosters, I think he's going to do really well there. They're going to give him a bit of a roaming role. He might end up at hooker. The more I watch Verrills, the more... Um, Denham Kemp said to me the other day that Cameron Smith reckons he'll be the starting nine and Smithy he knows a thing or two about being a hooker so maybe he's right Uh, but Connor Watson he's going to be unreal in that team I absolutely love Connor Watson I love the way he goes about his footy I love the way he goes about everything off the field as well he's going to fit in incredibly well at the Sydney Roosters he's one guy to definitely be excited about I think is another one as well I was talking to someone the other day and they, they mentioned that um, I can't remember who it was, but they said that at Roosters training, 
I think it was the Morris boys might, might, might have said it about Tupinua that he is just a monster at training and they just can't handle him and that he's just finding his way in first grade. So Tupinua, I think next year will probably be the big season for him. I think he'll really explode. And, you know, with the combination of him and Angus Crichton on the other side, granted they lost Boyd Cordner, the Australian captain, and one of the best back rowers I've ever seen, definitely the best back rower of this era for me. It's crazy to think they can lose a guy like him and, all of a sudden, Angus steps up and Tupanua, he's he's on a path to being a sensational footballer as well. So plenty to get excited about at the Roosters. I think the other one, obviously, you've you got Luke Keary returning, which will be massive. That'll be huge. But I'll tell you the guy that they really, really missed this year was Lindsay Collins. Um, I absolutely love this bloke. I, I said halfway through last year, there was a game where they knocked over the Broncos. They gave it to them. Uh, they beat them by about 50 points. I think he might have scored a try or two, and people said, how good's he going? And I didn't see it at that point. And I sort of said, oh, I think he's a bit of a flat tracker, to be honest with you. I was so wrong, it was not even funny. He went into origin, and he won me over. He is one of the premier props in our game. Tough coming off an ACL. It'll be good to see how he handles himself next year. But just having him there for impact. Robbo won't expect him to be a 50-60 minute front rower next year. Coming back off an ACL, he'll ease him back into it. And I think he's going to make a massive difference, Lindsay Collins. Even if he's just playing 25-30 minutes, it'll be high impact. And it'll mean that Rhea Hargroves, Takiaho, they can come off the field and know that they can trust the bloke going on. I have no doubt that they trusted the guys this year, but... When you come off and you let young, inexperienced guys go on, it can be hard to watch at times. So I think that's going to be a massive plus. Joseph Suwali as well, with another season under his belt, showed that he can handle it. Um, I know you all, ex- a lot of people expected him to come on and score nine tries in nine games or whatever. He didn't quite do that. But you can see as far as the physicality goes that he can definitely handle himself in first grade. And he's just going to get better and better with Akiri walking back into this side. Frees up James Tedesco a little bit more. They get a couple of forwards back to get him on the front foot again. I think he's going to be really, really dangerous Swali next year. So plenty to be excited about at the Sydney Roosters. We posted on the Instagram page the other day, do you think the Roosters are the team to beat? And a very mixed very mixed response from you guys out of that one. So I might do a bit of a deep dive over the next few days and give my opinions on the Roosters heading into season 2022. But the Parramatta Eels and the Sydney Roosters, both of these sides, I think they've moved the needles in very different ways, in incredibly polarizing different ways. But I think both teams are looking really good heading into season 2022. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.